1: Not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> I,
0: I have Care to, to expand
1: on that. I woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Armorabi, and along with my co host, Jack Shields. Jack. We're recording on a Tuesday evening. How's your week been so far?
0: Oh, not too bad. Uh, it's been more about the weekend, honestly. I mean, Mondays are obviously a little boring, but uh, Friday we had the spring game, which uh, was a whole lot of fun. I loved having yep. it as a night game. It was yep. definitely a good experience if you were in attendance, uh, for sure. I mean, obviously, in the future, seems like Lincoln Riley liked it, so I think Saturday nights seem like a feasible
1: option in the future
0: and then uh you know saturday sunday tiger tiger woods y'all
1: yeah and i mean the spring game is something that especially at night is something that we've maybe been talking about for the past i don't know for a while like because it seems like a lot of other teams and a lot of other universities they have their spring game at night and you're just kind of wondering why oklahoma doesn't do that and then they do do it and it's like this big hit so I enjoyed it, and it, it made my, honestly, for some reason, it made my weekend feel longer. Yeah, definitely. Like Friday night, and then... Because, then, I mean,
0: it felt like a Saturday. Yeah,
1: and then off into sat- Saturday and Sunday where you see OKC playoffs, which wasn't good the first time around. You had the Game of Thrones premiere later on Sunday night after Tiger Woods with his amazing comeback, and then through the first, you know, Monday into Tuesday... All the stuff about Jim Traber trending oh, worldwide yeah. Yeah. on Twitter. And then, like, him. do you see him, like, in his deal about throwing a hissy fit? About yes. somebody, like, putting stuff in the in his yard? Yep.
0: He did not handle that
1: very well. I mean, it just shows how insecure he is. I mean. I mean, it's, it's an odd deal that, like, just like the people that decorate the house, their, the front yard, they're, he's, like, trying to sue them, or is that he would sue yeah, them? Yeah, and he, he took their
0: property. I mean, it, it was a prank.
1: It's not the company's fault. Right. You know, it's, you know, whatever. It was just funny because on the animal he acted like you know he's like oh yeah I'm gonna eat my crow and I'm being yada, yada, a big man yeah, about yeah, this I'm this is a what a man does this. I
0: mean get out of here dude. and <laughs> then all of a sudden
1: like you hear what happens privately about him being a total dick to like just some random lady that yeah, was the, a his small business pranking. owner I mean yeah. not her fault so yeah that was that was fun but
0: I mean I understand being upset about something being put in your yard as a prank but you know. Keeping the property to yourself and throwing a hissy fit is uh, not a good look, Jimmy.
1: Yeah, Not I a agree. good look. I agree. And then today, we catch some Sooners news. It's not really that big a Sooners news, but it's still Sooners news regardless, that Jakari Daly, a linebacker from Florida, he was supposed to be like a speed, edge rush yeah, linebacker. Jack in the old yeah, system. Yeah, the Jack. Um, he decides to, you know, explore transfer market, which... I'm not surprised about it. Are you surprised about this? Not
0: too surprised, even with uh, the situation over at that position. I mean, uh, it's a little – it doesn't really seem like he's ever really truly been in the equation or considered at the top of the board there. But, I mean, I really liked him when he signed. I mean, I thought he had a high upside, but, I mean, apparently it hasn't really uh, panned out in quite that way, and maybe Alex Grinch doesn't feel the same way about him Mm -hmm. as Mike Stoops did. So that's just kind of how it goes.
1: Yeah, so that wasn't something that I was too surprised about because, I mean, you just think about it, and, you know, on that edge, they've tried several guys. I mean, they they had Ronnie Perkins working there for a while. You saw, um, you're going to see John Michael Terry, you're going to see Nick Benito, you'll see Mark Jackson, so where does Jakari Daly fit into all of that, and I'm sure they tried other people at the Jackbacker spot, too, so, I mean... How much time would he get on the field? Because he wouldn't be playing a Sam. Because in you know, yeah. Alex Grinch's defense, they not really play that. No, and they're not going to play a Will or a Mike. So it makes sense for him to leave. Yeah, so definitely, he was a decent, you know, linebacker recruited. Out of, He's out, definitely a physical beast. Yeah. I mean, he he was you know a,
0: he had some really impressive tape out of high school. I mean, and you know at the uh, I don't know if you recall, but Jimbo Fisher really tried to <clears throat> steal him at the last minute and. uh Oh, you was kind of able to hold him off. So that was that felt like a big win at the time, but uh
1: yeah, didn't quite work out. Yeah, I agree. So but anyways, let's talk about some spring game. First of all, let's just talk about the crowd turnout and the concert, because, you know, two and a half days before the game, Lincoln Riley comes out and is like, Oh, by the way, the game's not, you know, Saturday afternoon. It's actually Friday evening at, you know, seven thirty and the concert's also at six thirty. And the crowd turnout was still like 50,000. Really good. Well, yeah.
0: yeah, an announced fifty thousand. In reality, probably closer to forty, but still, that's incredible considering the change and uh, yeah, the timing of the thing and uh, the fact that it was still pretty cold. I mean, it was yeah. it wasn't exactly great conditions, but I mean, it was fine. You know, uh, but yeah, with people getting off of work just two and a half hours prior, that was uh, definitely a nice turnout.
1: Yeah, and I, I I mean, just looking on T V and you know, after I rewatched the game just for just like schematic purposes, it's just like of course the end zones they were blocked off from what I understand, so you got a massive crowd turnout in the main areas. And that's just what it seemed like, and so that's a kudos to Sooner fans and Sooner Nation for really like kind of stepping up and, yeah, and I going think going to the game.
0: That kind of gave me hope, you know. Like I said, with all of the uh, sort of uncontrollable uncontrollable, uh, factors there, I mean, I have hope with the North End Zone being open next year after the construction, if they have this on a Saturday night, you could see maybe a crowd that would rival some of the Mm -hmm. bigger spring games across the country, which OU hasn't really... Yeah, quite been able to do. It seems like there's a ceiling of like fifty five thousand mm-hmm. or something like that. Typically each year, I think you can bust that ceiling open in the future if you uh, keep having it on Saturday nights.
1: Yeah, and Saturday nights or Friday nights or whatever. A- yeah, what wh- whenever, and
0: as long as it's known in advance. And yeah, then
1: they actually they sold beer uh, mm-hmm. to the spring game, which yeah had a nice little selection. You were you were there, so I mean what was it like and what did they have on tap it,
0: it was a similar situation to basketball i mean i think uh, i think i got some miller light tall boys which for a football game that's kind of perfect cuz you can drink a bunch of those in bulk right not too heavy but uh they had a i'm trying to think yeah basketball games they have like i think they have Fat tire. They have shock top. They have Ziegenbach, and a kind of a nice little assortment. I think Goose Island IPA. You know Mm -hmm. some some nice choices. I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be a hit for sure. Lines were long, but not too long. I mean, it's definitely you know it's a it's going to be a it's going to be a good thing
1: if you like beer. (laughs) Yeah, especially when it comes down to you know the actual regular season kickoff now. Depending upon if you want beer at 11 a.m., which I do, I mean, for of people, football, a lot it's, of people football. Will, it's a Saturday, yeah. who cares? Yeah, um, It'll be it'll, it'll be pretty awesome, and then I imagine the beer sales will go through the roof if they actually get a night game in Norman.
0: Oh, if they do, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if.
1: Uh, but yeah, the crowd turnout was good. Uh, how was Lee Bryce? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I did not
0: go to Lee Bryce. I was, uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I was on Campus Corner during Lee Bryce. There were lots of people that like paid extra money. To, to be on the field, which on the field. this year, I, I think last year, Trace Atkins, they had his stage sort of situated up in the North Ends. And I think this time they had him on the field, like down at field level, essentially. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fan of Lee Bryce or whoever they have in the future, that's a pretty cool setup because you're right there by the stage. I mean, you pay like, I think it was 30 bucks or 35 bucks to uh, have a pretty good view of everything. I mean, that's, you know... That's a pretty good setup i mean i i think in the future that definitely bodes well and it i feel like a lot of people uh purchase the tickets down there so i mean it's a decent revenue gener ge- blah, decent
1: revenue generator as well And, devin that was one of the first things that Gallagher was like yes we're doing this yeah in the pilot with the basketball program
0: yeah so i mean bad. it's
1: it, yeah and yeah
0: i was sort of pleasantly surprised that the uh spring game was included in that pilot program which mm-hmm. i guess makes sense because it was spring sports mm-hmm. but uh yeah, I mean,
1: it's yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> but let's talk about the quarterback, and you can't see me because this is a podcast, but I'm doing air quotes. The quarterback competition going on between Jalen Hurts, the quarterback farce, Tanner Mordecai, and Tanner Schaefer. Um, let's just talk about their numbers. Jalen Hurts is 11-14, 174 yards. He has a touchdown passing on the day. He also had a touchdown running. And then you have Tanner Mordecai, 12 of 24. He was in the game pretty much the entire time, right? Yeah, for a lot of it, yeah. And he mustered up 12 of 24, 153, a touchdown, a really bad overthrow, a couple of fumbles. He was trying to do too much, it seemed like. A couple of fumbles that he recovered by himself. Yeah, it did yeah. look like he did try, to do, uh, did try to do too much. And then Tanner Schaefer was a pretty consistent 6 of 7, two touchdowns. Uh, 87 yards so two of his six passes were touchdowns
0: yeah granted he was throwing against a <laughs> secondary that was yes. not really a Walk secondary ons. I think one of the touchdowns happened against a cornerback who was wearing number
1: 86, yeah, like 86 if I recall correctly so yeah like you know that. it kind of tells you what the deal was, but Fio, I think Theo was the one that caught Weaves it too. was the one yeah but so let's just talk about Jalen Hurts versus Tana Mordecai on the day let's just talk about first Jalen Hurts um what are your thoughts on him? I mean, he definitely looked in control of the offense
0: the entire time. I mean, obviously, like I said, the secondary he was going against wasn't exactly at full strength. But, I mean, usually when he was in there, he was going against some decent players, some guys with experience. So uh, you could see that he could fit some things into tight windows. You saw the, uh, the pass to Stogner, which I guess he's a huge target, obviously. But the throw was perfect right over his shoulder. I mean, he was he was crisp. I mean, you could tell how mobile he was. A lot of those runs where he was blown down, you know he's going to break through so many of those tackles. So it's you know the rushing numbers are sort of deceiving. But I there was nothing I saw except for maybe a few mechanical things that can be worked out over the summer that really would give me pause at all. Like I mean he yeah he looked really good. I don't think there's going to be a huge drop off. I mean he's he's not going to be Baker Mayfield or. Uh, Kyler Murray, but, I mean, he's going
1: to be more than adequate, I think, and this offense is going to keep churning. Is there anything that surprised you about his performance, maybe?
0: I think how well he was able to fit some of those throws into tight windows. I think one of the things that was his issue his first two years at Alabama was that sometimes he was hesitant to make uh, some of those throws, and one thing that Alabama people were telling us about his season last year, the areas where he improved was – being willing to take a few more risks and being a bit more confident in the pocket. And that sort of showed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think, on a Friday night. So that was definitely encouraging. He definitely has plenty of arm strength,
1: too. He's definitely got some zip. And one of the things I noticed about Jalen Hurts, I mean, of course, he was able to throw back shoulder throws. Whether he intended it or not, I'm still not completely 100% sure about his accuracy yeah we'll see um, the, the
0: the throw to bridges where he caught it i think
1: at the one yard line yeah. i mean that that's one where that was like kind of like a lame duck throw yeah. that i think bridges just went up and got and yeah. sometimes as a quarterback went down do and got he was like yeah. on his ass when he yeah, caught it, was it weird. But, like it he, was like uh, boxed out the defender yeah and just caught it and so but there are a couple things that like i agree that you said that uh will have to be work- worked on in the summer through, through lincoln riley which is I mean, you're blessed with having Baker Mayfield for like what three years and then a Kyler Murray for another year with they have wonderful mechanics as far as foot placement, getting your seat fit, and just zipping the ball out. And for Jalen Hurts, he didn't really see that yet. I mean, he threw a lot of balls off his back foot, which is not what you want to see in a Lincoln Riley offense. So that's something that Lincoln Riley will get straightened out. And like because the the I think of the screenplay to Trajan Bridges that went for like 20, 30 yards, yeah. the, the, the tunnel screen, or was it, I don't know, was it a bubble screen or tunnel screen? But it looked like a tunnel screen, yeah. He, uh, Jalen Hurts took one, he, he snapped the ball and took one step back just with his back foot and kind of just zipped it out off his back foot instead of taking the snap. Getting the feet set real quick, like Kyler, Kyler or Bakerwood, and then zipping out a perfect ball. I mean, the ball was still really good, yeah, right where it should. You be. could just
0: sort of tell he hasn't worked in an air raid, that quick release exactly. offense like that. But because I mean, that's fine. He'll he's got an entire summer to pick up things like that. And it, I mean, I was really impressed with how quickly he has sort of been able to pick up this offense. I mean, he looked like he had been here for several years, other than those mechanical things. But I mean, he, uh, I mean, he. You know, he looked like a grizzled veteran out there. I mean, he's for him to pick up stuff like that within a matter of just a few months—a very complex offense—that mm-hmm. sort of shows you the work ethic he has, how sharp he is, how much maturity he has. I mean, he's—I you'd be hard pressed to find a better fit out on the transfer market than what Oklahoma
1: got in Jalen Hurts. It's right. really—it was enormous—and. You can doubt that Jalen Hurts had been in a offense that was more pro style. That he been taking snaps from under a lot in comparison to taking snaps from shotgun. And like you said, I agree that he looked pretty decent as far as the progressions and everything else in a shotgun offense and a, a pro, kind of a pro raid offense. I don't think I don't like calling it an air raid because it's not an yeah. air raid. They run for like they had two thousand yard rushers last year. Yeah, and like they'd almost had three thousand yard rushers last year. You can't call it an air raid because they run the ball a lot. Uh, so you could call it a pro raid, I guess. If you say, you know, they they are air raid shotgun. principles though. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it's one of those deals. But uh, but you can definitely tell Jalen Hurts is learning quickly. Um, you know, some of those passes to Austin Stogner, like you said, uh, through his zone defense was really impressive to me. I liked you know putting it right on the shoulders because there were a couple that were intentionally back shoulder throws that looked great yeah and he you know in, in under pressure he overthrew his receivers a couple times but that's kind of expected the one that i really liked and it's the most simple of plays that we're not going to think about twice until we go back and look at it is a simple check down to kennedy brooks over the middle for like 15 yards yeah that's not something that that's that's something that's not big at all but that means he's going through his progressions yeah that means he's reading the defense and seeing what he's got and he says oh i have nothing downfield okay I'm going to check down to Kennedy Brooks. That's something so simple. That means a lot to a guy like that because if he's not reading his progressions, he just throws it up there to somebody else. And, you know, it's that. But he looked like, like you said, the grizzled veteran. Because, I mean, he is. He's a a senior. But Tanner Mordecai looked like he has not spent. Because, you know, I said. I too was
0: hustled, scammed, bamboozled,
1: hoodwinked, led astray. And I'm just, I was, (laughs) what I said last week, I said. And what if Tanner Mordecai just comes in and completely kicks Jalen Hurts' butt all over the place because he knows Lincoln Riley's offense at least for a year? And that wasn't the case. I mean, Jalen Hurts looked like he had been in the offense for a year. And Tanner Mordecai looked like a new the new the newcomer. I mean, 12 24, one touchdown, two interceptions, two fumbles that he recovered both yeah. times. He slipped on the turf. I mean, he just had a really tough day. And The accuracy wasn't quite there either, but you could
0: tell he has the physical tools, though. He has a really live arm, and he, you know, other than that little uh, stumble he had, he definitely has some decent mobility. So, I mean, if he can fix some of the mental errors and maybe sharpen some things up, you could see him having an earnest competition Mm -hmm. with Spencer Adler next year, I think. But I I wouldn't pick him to win it, but he would probably take it into the fall, I would assume. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it would definitely be more legit than these past two... uh, faux competitions, but uh yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't overreact too much to what you saw from Mordecai, but I mean it's it's very clear who
1: the starting quarterback is of this team and it should have been clear all along. Right. And I think something that surprised me about Jalen Hurts also was his his quickness. Because people just assume that because he's so big and agile and mobile that he may not be the fastest guy. And then the first couple series you see with them dropping back, he has incredible foot speed. Yeah, and that's just something I wasn't aware of because I never really paid attention to him watch. And he's got an incredible burst, and, and he's a very patient big. runner when yeah. running
0: up the middle too. I mean, he's he's got a little bit of running back in him. I mean, he can hit holes at the right time. I mean, he's got really good vision. I mean, he's right. you could I could definitely see a lot more runs up the middle this year than you have in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you're not going to have too much of that with Kyler Murray being you know 180, 190 pounds, and Baker Mayfield just not being as quite as big or as
1: uh as fast as Jalen Hurts, so. And Tanner Mordecai, I mean, we talked about this earlier, it just looked like he tried to do too much yeah. combined with the red defense was kind of a lot better. It than was, yeah. The wide defense, and, you know, he went up against stiffer competition, and, you know, Jalen Hurts, one of the best defensive players out on the field when he was playing was Parnell Motley, and he went down, yeah. and, you know, after you know one or two series. So it was like, wasn't like, it wasn't like, that Jalen Hurts was playing against the best defensive players. But at the same time, I mean, Tanner Mordecai just it didn't it looked like he tried to do too much. It's as simple as that. Like, he was forcing things early, and then it looked like Lincoln Riley kept him in the game late for him to gain maybe some composure and some confidence. And all he did was throw underneath passes, yeah, just underneath the blanket passes, and just made life a lot easier. That's where a lot of those 12 completions are coming from. So overall, I mean, this kind of just solidifies a lot of people's belief in Jalen Hurts, and then a lot of belief that he's ahead of Tanner Mordecai. Of course, he had one more practice today that I'm sure some interesting stuff will come out of. Uh, but let's go on to some other pressing questions coming out of the spring game, see if they're legitimate or not. The offensive line versus the defensive line. I mean, I would be shocked if you told me the offensive line won any bit of this because no, they they're just totally... They're not in disarray. They're just... They're an incomplete unit yes, right now. right? Exactly. And, and they... They didn't they didn't split them to where they, were, where they were ones and twos. No. They just completely split them and basically were like, all right, sink or swim against basically senior defensive ends and senior defensive linemen that kind of already know what they're doing. And having walk on centers. So, yeah, exactly. You know, Neville Gallimore killed that walk on yeah. center all night when he well obviously when he was in the game. So what can you take if there's is there, is there anything you can take away from the offensive line? But more so the defensive line. Well, the
0: defensive line, you could tell that the strategy's changed. I mean, you could yep. tell they're trying to get around blocks instead of trying to eat up blocks, but, uh, which obviously, I mean, you saw Neville Gallimore. He looked a little quicker than he had before. Obviously, that happens when you lose 30 pounds. You would right. hope he's quicker. But, uh, yeah, he certainly was. So, but as far as learning about the offensive line, no, not really. You know, there's, you know, cohesion's really big with offensive lines, mm-hmm. too. And obviously, you're not having the ones with the ones out there. You don't have, uh, R.J. Proctor out there yet. You don't have Creed Humphrey out there yet. You have uh, Bray Walker kind of playing at what, I guess, wasn't his natural position. Or was he out there at tackle a little bit? I, I feel played, like
1: I saw him a little bit at tackle. They played Bray at guard for a bit. I think he played a couple snaps at tackle, but yeah. he was mostly guard. He's going to end up at tackle, you would have to think. I mean, yeah. he's he he's you know he's got and the Adrian body of Orlando Ealy. Brown. He yeah. was at right tackle, yeah. and they played Swenson at left. Yeah, they, so. Didn't make any sense. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's because offensive line. They're
0: tinkering around. You know, it's it's like I said, yeah, nothing to really take from the offensive line. Defensive line, you can be cautiously optimistic about, mm-hmm. I would say, but uh, can't
1: really take too much from that either, considering right. what you saw with the offensive line. So. Right. And I've kind of changed my stance on who plays right guard because I was pretty adamant that left tackle would be Ely, right tackle would be Bray Walker, left guard would be Proctor, which is his more natural position. Yeah. Center, of course, to be Creed Humphrey. I I put right guard as Marquise Hayes, but I'm going to transition to Tyrese Robinson. He looked good. He looked good, but also he's been getting several snaps at center mm-hmm. during all of this stuff. Kind of out in, of the necessity, the but out of necessity. But I think out of that necessity of like learning the offense and knowing where yeah. to be and just learning offense as a whole, I think that earns him kind of a lot and you know, a more credence and more due diligence as far as. What they're thinking about on the offensive line for Bill but I could just be reading too much into it. Quite frankly, quite frankly, who the hell knows at this point? But-, but yeah, you won't you won't know anything until late July, to be honest. And if that uh, defensive line, I mean, they look lighter, they look faster, they look like they know what they were supposed to be doing, which is not reading what the offensive line is doing and then attacking. Or really just catching the bodies and letting the linebackers figure out what to do. Yeah, that didn't work ever. They <laughs> actually penetrated the offensive line, the ones, the twos, and the walk-ons. They just said, "Oh, I'm gonna pick this gap because it's a one-gap scheme and smash right through it." So people, when they say, "Because I went on that 10-12 podcast and they were great people and they're they asked, awesome, yeah," and they asked me, "Also, Phillips the man?" They said, "How the running backs do?" I said, uh, "Well, you can't really tell, yeah, because any time they run the ball, defensive line is in the backfield yeah. and completely ruining that play." I mean, and then you have to then I have to say, well, it's the offensive line right now. They're playing walk-on centers, and Neville Gallimore just completely caveman smashed the center every time. So, I mean, the defensive line looks fast. They look better, and it's just a scheme change. It's not anything to do with talent. I'm curious what happens with Ronnie Perkins. I still don't believe he's going to play within the line. I think he's going to be on one of the edges. That's just me. But with the loss of Tyree Slot. Um, you know, things might change. I kind of liked a little of what you saw with Nick
0: Benito, though, out on the mm-hmm. edge. I mean, he if he gains a little bit of weight, I think he could be uh, definitely a disruptor because he's so quick. You know, so I think if Jalen Redmond isn't healthy and they decide to put Ronnie Perkins on the line, Benito would be a pretty decent option, I think, as long as he bulks up a little bit, which
1: he's got an entire offseason to yep. do so, so you would think it would happen. And I think Mark Jackson's body frame and body composition is a little awkward to play speed rush or jack or whatever it is. Uh, But we'll see. Um, What do you think about Alex Grinch's defense as a whole? Because I thought somebody phrased this really, really well, that the defense is like in between, and you can definitely tell they're in an in-between mode. And you're not going to really see it pay dividends till probably the middle of the season to the end of the season on it to 2020. So what are your thoughts on what you saw and what might carry over and what might not?
0: Well, one thing that sort of stood out to me about the secondary was that they were playing a lot less passively. And this isn't even just referring to uh, playing more press coverage. I mean, they, you were, you could tell they were reacting quicker to try to break up passes, sometimes too quickly. There were a lot of uh, interference calls that weren't called. You could tell. So, I mean, you could tell that they're being a lot more aggressive back there. Which is definitely an encouraging sign as far as, uh, as far as attitude is concerned and as far as uh, the ability to create turnovers is concerned, obviously, mm-hmm. and just make big plays in general and not just kind of let things happen, which is sort of how it seemed the past few years in the secondary. So that's one thing that stood out. But, yeah, there were also – you could tell there's some residual kind of issues as far as you still saw guys who weren't – Looking for the ball all the time, which I mean, it's gonna take a little while to shake some of those habits. But generally, the secondary looked okay, I thought. But at at the same time, they were down so many men, Mm -hmm. so that's an underrated part of this. Yeah, that I mean, some of the guys who were you know Patrick Fields,
1: he was a scratch, wasn't he? He didn't play out there, did he? Yeah, Pat Fields didn't play. I think him. I believe they said Pat Fields was it Delarian Turner Yale and somebody else all gone to like a pile up like in practice. Some you gotta you gotta think it's Delarian Turner Yale as like a heat seeking missile comes across tries to smash somebody and ends up taking out one of his guys in the process and <laughs> they were a late scratch and so was Trey Sermon he was a late yeah. scratch in the entire thing too
0: yeah so I mean yeah definitely depleted at a lot of positions secondary as much as anywhere though. For the spring game at least. So it's it's hard to tell too much about the secondaries, well, at least personnel wise.
1: I think that's fair because let me again, you're you're missing Jordan Parker, yeah. Robert Barnes, you didn't really see Pat Fields. You saw like a series or two of Parnell Motley. So. Yeah, that from Motley. Uh who else you miss in the back end? There's at least one more that I'm keep on forgetting. I don't know, it's not important right now. I'm
0: probably forgetting too. Oh well. But
1: <laughs> it's you're just you're missing several guys and Jamal Morris looked pretty good back there I as a freshman so. yeah, yeah and and people are missing Chint Silvey he had a quiet night even though he was a leader in tackles he Did you had he a, lead yeah. the team in tackles four and a half
0: really yeah <laughs> yeah I mean he uh he had I think someone pointed out he had an issue getting over to the ball on one of the throws but I mean he reacted a little late but I I, I he's one of the Guys that I kind of like
1: in the secondary, maybe
0: to be a maybe not a starter at safety, but a decent contributor. You would
1: think someone who's in the rotation. Guess who? Actually, he was tied for the lead leader of tackles. Guess who was second, or guess tied for first? The linebacker.
0: Was it Ryan Jones? Because I know he missed that one tackle on. uh, Gosh, that's when I just that was bad. Hung my head, but no. Then again, I will say upon further review. Watching that play in slow motion, you could tell Ryan Jones's mind was on the ball, and he didn't think Lee Morris was going to catch it. And by the time Morris kind of brought it down, it was too late. It late. late to looked grab like, but or something. Still, he should have been focused more on the body and less on the ball at that point. Right. But, you know.
1: Oh well. <laughs> so tied for it, it first, was bad optics for sure, though. Tied for first with Chance Sylvie in total tackles at four and a half is. Brian Mead. Oh, okay, yeah. Our boy Brian Mead from Owasso. Victory Christian. I think he's what, six two? They labeled him as six two two He looked big. Yeah, he looked big. Yeah. He, and he was kind of all over the place, it looked like. But uh You know who wasn't all over the
0: place? Ryan Jones. And
1: Levi Draper. And Levi yeah. <laughs> he didn't even play though. Yeah. And Levi I mean, was a scratch, though, yeah. He was a scratch. Yeah. And but that's again, that's kind of indicative of his career at Oklahoma so far. And no, we're not we're not like poo-pooing on Ryan and not on Ryan Jones, but on Levi Draper. It's just that's what his career he's been had like so some far. bad
0: breaks with health for sure, yeah. but I mean, who knows
1: if this is just a lingering thing or what? But yeah, we'll see. But with Alex Grinch's defense, I think, I think you hit it right in the head as far as it's a defense in transition. And with Alex Grinch's comments the other night about saying, yeah, a lot of the guys have the want to, they want to be really good defense. If I could get 195 or whatever, 129 out of 129 tattooed on him, I would. And he said that. You know, they have the want to, but sometimes that disease kind of, like, rears its head in practice sometimes of, you know, excuses, and they're trying to, like, you know, get rid of that disease, and you could just tell through the spring game that was what was happening, and, I mean, you like what they were doing as far as you saw a lot of guys running to the ball every snap. I mean, even defensive backs were running to the ball on the opposite side of the field. You saw a lot of guys gang tackling. But at the same time, I can't take a lot away from it because there's just, I mean, like you said, defensive back number 86, Yeah. because there's so many guys in the secondary that are safeties that are hurt, not playing right now. And so you can't really tell how good or how not good they're going to be because they don't have half the depth of safety. Um, Boogie got a couple of sacks, if you want to say, because uh, he tapped the quarterback, but he was all right, I guess.
0: Oh, yeah, he definitely looked good on the pass rush. I think it was the one where time was expiring. Didn't he kind of strip the ball from uh, – He did. He stripped the ball from Mordecai and threw it back to him instead of uh, running yep. for a touchdown. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Mordecai, like, kind of uh, was shocked when he saw it come back to him, and then he kneeled <laughs> it. Yeah, it was weird. kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely someone who you could picture being a heat-seeking missile off the edge. Like, if he's playing a little bit of nickel mm-hmm. – he could be utilized in that fashion. And I hopefully think he it won't would not black out after <laughs> yeah, hitting the person. Yeah, thing.
1: exactly. That was something, but uh, Gosh. yeah, you know, we'll see. What are some things that disappointed you from the spring game besides Lee Bryce?
0: <laughs> I, I didn't see Lee Bryce, so I wasn't able to be disappointed by it. But uh, let's see. Uh, I can't think of anything that really disappointed me, honestly. I mean, I mean, a little bit of Tanner Mordecai, I guess. But I mean, at the same time, like you said, he was forcing things a little bit. He he appeared to be trying to do too much, but you know, I no one I I I'm focused a little more on some of the guys who stood out. Like Jaquelan Crawford, I thought was a pleasant surprise. I I knew he yeah. was good. You knew he was good with the ball in his hands, you know, making plays. But man, he's really fucking shifty. Yeah. Like he's someone who could really be a weapon in this offense. Maybe not a starter, but someone and I think, yeah, he was working on the outside, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, so, I mean, he's someone who you could sort of see maybe give Rambo a run for his money on mm-hmm. the outside, you would think. Uh, maybe give those two freshmen, Wheeze and uh, Hazelwood, a run for their money. I mean, you would think Bridges would uh, be on the inside, but you saw him a lot on the outside in the spring game. So, you know, we'll see. But uh Yeah, I mean, he's definitely someone who's capable of being a big-time guy at this school, it would seem. I mean, last year it seemed like he was just kind of there and he wasn't really quite ready for the moment. But, I mean, he definitely seemed like he was seizing the opportunity on Friday night.
1: I think it's fair to say. And I think that something that disappointed me really, um, something that really disappointed me was... You didn't get to see the ones go against the ones. That's
0: one, yeah. I mean, and you haven't seen that in a while, it seems like. So, yeah,
1: I haven't seen it in a long time. So, yeah, that's but real, spring that's games, the only it, thing. It's, I mean, and that's really not the point of spring games. The spring game is it's like, see where you're practice wise, right? See if they're picking up the offense or the defense. Try not to get anybody hurt. Yeah. That's literally it. Um, and so, just things I can take away from the spring game and apply to the regular season. Like you said, I know, and uh, Crawford. I was really happy with the performance of Trajan Bridges. I mean, yeah. he looked oh, like yeah. a dude. And
0: he he may well end up being the best of those three receivers. Yeah, he reminded and me of And that's not Sterling. a knock on the other two, because yeah. I think those two could be stars. But, I mean, Bridges just seems like he
1: might be the most ready to contribute immediately. He looked like... Sterling Shepherd freshman impact sort of guy. He's long. Yeah, he's actually longer than Sterling. His stride reminds
0: me of Kenny Stills. Stills he's got that yes. long, smooth stride and he's a little he's deceptively shifty too. Mm-hmm. Like he's I'm a big fan. He, and he's bigger, he's taller than Kenny Stills yep. as well and he's just as good at high pointing the ball as Kenny Stills. And Kenny Stills was really good at that. So yeah, he's yeah, immediate contributor. I think that's readily apparent
1: in it just makes you wonder who is going to be able to get playing time in that receiving core because, quite honestly. Yeah, talent
0: and depth are not like, going to be an issue. Is Austin Stogner.
1: <laughs> Poor or, A.D. Miller. Is Austin Stogner going to get, get, get out redshirted
0: of this year? Oh, man, you easily could, but he's so good. I mean, you have Calcaterra, who's a proven commodity, and you have Lee Morris, who is yeah. one of my favorite players on this roster. So, I mean, he's uh they don't need him this year, mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say, but at the same time, you know, maybe give him some run early in the season, you've mm-hmm. got those four, four games, games to burn, to give up. him some run, see what happens. I agree. I mean... He's definitely someone who could be a uh, an asset in the red zone
1: for sure, so... Wouldn't it be fun to have a maybe a shotgun double tight end set with Calc on one side and Austin Stogner on the other, and then you have CD and... Hazelwood, Hazelwood, yeah. just just throw something deep in the end zone. Like, oh my gosh, there's so many things you could do that in the red Who's zone. Who's winning
0: battles against those four?
1: No one. Nobody, especially. I mean, like C.D. Lamb. Of course, it was against a. Uh, it was against a freshman, but yeah. he just killed that Alabama. Yeah. What was his name? I don't remember, but he yeah he had his way in the second half for sure. It was just, just once, well, yeah. Incredible. Once
0: that O.U. offense got churning, it was it was a show, but. uh. Unfortunately, the defense was helpless. Wah, so,
1: wah. But we're going to talk about some recruiting stuff, and even breaking down the maybe schematics or science behind Lincoln Riley's eyes. But here's a break from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. All right, so breaking down the science of Lincoln Riley and his eyeball emojis because he had three in the game and going in the weekend. Right, he had the first set, he had the second set, and then he tweeted out a, a set of one and two and like it just it yeah was, it's, it was kind of confusing. People were like, wait, does that mean does that mean there's six, six? more? Yeah, no. Like, no, we we're just pretty sure that means one for the two and then the third one. But people are suggesting, and that what I've come to hear along as well is that those three do not count with the one that happened like March 28th and late March. Yeah, yeah,
0: there's a different one.
1: So, and two of them have already come out and committed. So, right now you're still looking out for two more. And I mean, to me, you've got to think about Lincoln Riley and the audience he's catering to, he's catering to the fans. And the recruits, because it's fun. He's not gonna make it some like Tom Hanks, Angels and Demons, Da Vinci Code, where you have to figure out the puzzle. It's gotta be pretty simple. And it was, but some people made it more complicated than, than it was and than it was. And so Dante Manning commits a 2021 product, Cody Jackson commits who CeeDee Lamb's former teammate. And yeah. Cody Jackson says he looks up to CeeDee, Sedarian, you know, and he ain't like asks him a ton of questions. And then but another pair of eyeballs from March we all think is probably Akinola Ogunbayi potentially yeah. line, he's a good lineman. candidate for it and yeah. he's a, yeah like he's a very good candidate we think it's might be him but you know, still nothing is public so we don't know and then we're just we're left with a lot of twitter spat and we're left to, I'm left with a lot of kind of notions that they might commit or they may have committed or yada yada with major burns Jacoby Covington, who was probably the biggest on OU coming into the spring game, and Ryan Watts, and I mean, who knows who
0: committed, who didn't? You yeah. don't know. I mean, it, it's it's. I think what is readily apparent is that Alex Grinch and Roy Manning are killing it oh, yeah. out on the recruiting trail right now. They are Ryan getting. Them. They are or not necessarily getting, but are in a great position with the guys who. They have honed in on who fit their system and they are on a
1: mission. I mean it it seems like Yeah, it's it's full steam ahead. I mean Lathan Ransom, I mean all of these guys came out with the same picture, you know, there was the same picture. They were like in that barbershop chair with their families, yeah. Saying, Oh, how much of the Oklahoma and Lathan Ransom said he was gonna commit, I believe, in June. Yeah. And then somewhere there's good indications about Burns, and Covington's always happy about Oklahoma. I mean, if you had to choose, if you had to choose, I don't think we're going to have to choose. (laughs) But uh, if you had to choose, choose, two of the remaining of the following defensive backs Burns, Covington, and Watts, which ones, or in ransom, which ones are you wanting?
0: Oh, if you make me choose one, I go with Watts just because
1: he's so big. Yeah for his position. I mean, what is he, six two, six three? He's like six two, yeah, six two and a half, one eighty seven. Yeah. Giddy up. <laughs> and he's and Dante Manning, I think he's like the number four cornerback in the class. Depending on it, oh, what it's like there's you a use, big yeah. disparity there between but, uh, rivals and two four seven. Yeah, I believe. Yeah.
0: We'll let them fight amongst themselves, but uh Yeah. I think the bottom line though is that Manning is extremely talented and has a huge upside and fits the system perfectly. So
1: big get there so my problem is right here carrie cooks was not necessarily recruiting defensive backs that were smaller because they were much faster because he initially went out and started trying to recruit guys like pj and Banasor, which are pretty big guys he just couldn't recruit the big guys to oklahoma yeah what 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 changed I mean, Lincoln Riley was still on staff with Cooks. What changed with this? Is it just Grinch going out and saying we're completely overhauling the defense? Or I what? think that's
0: probably the majority of it. I mean, you have a guy who... He's someone who inspires confidence as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think he's... I mean, Cooks was a good recruiter. But Grinch, I, you just seem like he has more of a... It seems like he has more of a purpose to what he's doing.
1: And I just get that impression. But I think it's fair to say... And I think it's fair to say that, I mean, they can use a recruiting pitch as far as Jalen Huff and Darian Green-Warren, right? They say, hey, these are highly touted guys, but, you know, they're 5'9", 5'10". We like you more. You fit our system and, yeah, a little bit and more. this guy's out of modern day. This guy's out of wherever. I don't know where Huff is from. He's from metro Atlanta. So, I mean, he, and he's someone who's had a lot of attention lately as well. And, but he's going to Georgia Tech, it yeah, looks like. But. Yeah, Georgia Tech. And you, and you just say, like, hey, these are highly recruited guys, but they're under five eleven, they're under six foot, and they're about one seventy. We're looking for you, six foot 184", eighty four, one eighty, 180, because you are what we want the future of the defense to be. Like I think that's a big selling point of say, hey, we had two guys that were four star, maybe a five star, they had a really good senior season, committed at one point. They need people who,
0: in the future, can combat the equivalence of L.J. Humphrey and Colin Johnson, essentially, God. because the guys who Oklahoma had were so outmatched against the, the big 12 has so many big receivers yep. and that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's definitely a desperate need. I mean, it, it's, they're going in the direction that makes me feel comfortable as a fan for sure.
1: In, I mean, as a rewatch of the game, I looked at Parnell Motley a lot on the screen or whoever else was on the field at the, at the bottom of the screen. And uh, that guy was Right on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Every snap. That'll help them too. I mean. I was amazed by that. Now they're not going to do that during the regular season. But it was still a beautiful and plentiful sight to see. And I mean, it's, it's just exciting to see, hey, they're actually trending in this direction when they should have been trending in this direction a long time ago. And at one point they had LJ, they were recruiting guys like LJ Moore. Dakota Austin. Dakota Austin's brother that I don't know where he ended up. Um, you look at—I mean Parrish Cobb was the biggest defensive back they had signed in a while, and then he went and did some stuff, and so they're, some stuff. They're, <laughs> they're, they're signing just smaller guys because they're faster, and they can keep up with the Big Twelve. And they, but at the same time, it didn't work. They're going to play seven eight yards off, yeah, and just let them run by them, and that doesn't make sense. And that's what Alex Grinch is saying. He's like, if you let receivers run by, it's the dumbest shit ever. You need to disrupt timing because the Big Twelve. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, is a timing league as far as Throw passing. Throw people off their rhythm, yeah. As it's it's whole it's totally timing, and if you have a guy to match their physicality and their speed, like Dante Manning can, like Ryan Watts can, your defense is going to be hard to beat, especially if they can come up and run support and defend the edge. So, I mean, that's just good news. Yeah. Now, will it come to fruition right now? No. That's the sad part. Yeah, You have to wait a couple of years for anything to happen. But at least there's
0: hope for the future. And there was not that under Mike Stoops. Yeah. So.
1: 2020, 2021, you'll see the defense really shape into what Grinch is wanting to see. Um, so that's really exciting. But do you have anything before we move on to Twitter questions? Oh, I think we're good. All right, so thank you to everybody that sent in some questions. We had a couple of people send in, a couple, more than a couple. So I'm cool with that. At Prayer Report OU, Matt says, Barry Trammell or Jim Traber. Who is worse? That isn't
0: close. Jim Traber is so much worse oh, than yes. Barry Traber. I, Barry, I like Barry man. has some hot takes and sometimes he's a little high and mighty with stuff, but he he's a good writer. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a person who's respected by his peers for the mm-hmm. most part. Jim is not.
1: <laughs> I think this question comes out of it's basketball season, and he's known as like the Russ Yeah, the, the just people as-
0: who Hate the media and are distrustful yeah. of the media. Hate people like Barry Trammell, because yeah. they don't fully understand what they do and what purpose they serve. Yeah, so Barry gets a little backlash from that crowd and during this time of year. Or so, like that would be, but kind Barry, of, you know, he's he's
1: he's a good egg. It'd be the equivalent of you know two thousand five or two thousand nine and Hoove and Bob Stoops. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was entertaining. And so I think Barry. <laughs> Do I think Barry's really lame sometimes? Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. He's but an old head. I mean, is he good at what he does? I would say, yeah. He's a good
0: storyteller, yeah, for I sure. I he's good. I, I enjoy a lot of his writing, especially when he writes about, like, old OU football players yep. and stuff like that in the history of OU football or even the history of Oklahoma State football as well. I mean, he's just a very good storyteller.
1: Yeah. Uh, Traber's just an ass. Yeah. I mean...
0: I mean I mean he's a good uh, provocateur, but definitely. at the same time he's a yeah, yard bird. The best the people who are best at that are usually a lot more thick skinned than he is. Mm-hmm. Traber is just so easy it seems to rattle. He's so insecure. Yep. It it's cringe worthy sometimes, but I mean it's Oh, well, I, I, I choose not to listen to him. I did on Monday. Oh, God bless, yes. Yeah, I, I did on Monday after the whole Tiger thing. Because um, I was expecting a blow-up, and none of that happened. No, I mean, he handled himself pretty well. Obviously, he had his little, like, uh, his kind of sanctimonious moments. I mean, saying, oh, well, I'm a man, and this is how a man handles himself. He takes it on the chin, blah, 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 I, I mean, whatever. it was, you know. And in the Lost
1: Ogle Report, stuff comes yeah. out that, like, yeah, he was kind of a dick. Yeah. But, yeah. Jim Traber is 100% the worst. I mean, Barry Trammell's kids aren't getting emancipated anytime soon. <laughs> uh, so. Zing! Yeah. He also said: What is one word to describe people that unfollow? us i guess what does one word to describe people that unfollow us?
0: oh i mean people have different reasons for unfollowing us i mean I, we i notice every time that i live tweet a baseball game or seth live tweets a <laughs> softball game we lose like two or three followers each time just because they don't like us cramming up their timeline with stuff and that's understandable so i mean it's, i like the
1: softball tweets. yeah
0: some people like it some people don't some people fewer people like baseball tweets because fewer people like ou baseball <laughs> but uh i love ou baseball but that's definitely a niche crowd so uh You know, it's people have their reasons. I mean, it's
1: not everyone's going to like you. You don't dwell on it; not a big deal. I would say the people that unfollow me are sensitive Mm -hmm. because I'll say things that see we weeded those people out pretty quickly once I took over. I mean, I was
0: I was probably a bit too much of a loose cannon when I took over, and I think the people who didn't like profanity or just general goofiness immediately right. left, so it kind of... This is not a serious sooner thing. Yeah, stick to sports. No, I don't... Sticking to sports is boring, so I don't do it, so...
1: I stopped, I stopped talking politics a long time ago, unless it's just something... Accidental. I don't talk politics on Twitter, unless no. no there's There's nothing wacky. to gain
0: from that, so I don't do it. But I do on my personal account occasionally, but usually... Yeah. I usually don't do it there either, so...
1: Like the other day, I said baseball... Base, no, no, golf sucks. Well, and, that triggered me. Yeah. But you, not you, really. We were cool about not
0: it. not like earnestly triggered me. And then, jokingly but I jokingly clapped back at you. Did
1: I still like tune in to watch history as far yeah. as Tiger? Yes, I did. Of course. Oh, and it's, it's history. I mean, you want to you want to see those moments. Now, would it have been better if he would have sank that second putt? Probably. Yeah. Instead of like the the little chip in, but it was still it was still cool. But I would say the people that unfollow me are, I would say they're sensitive. And then this one's actually a really good question. Because I've been thinking about it a lot. We talk about the offense being fine, the defense on it trending on its way to being legitimate. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about special teams. That's a big mystery. Yeah, like you're <laughs> not really talking about I know that of, at all. Of a guy named Sutherland and Burkich and yeah, Reeves Munshaw Reeves Munchau, who was a decent recruit, yeah. not long ago. And Some of his
0: punts looked okay, but yeah. I was I was drunk, so I wasn't really paying attention to punts. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, so, so uh,
1: the legitimate question is. How many field goals does Oklahoma miss this year? Because I think that's a pretty – I mean, like, because you could trust – you could. How many field goals is Oklahoma going to attempt this year? That's the thing.
0: You never know. I mean, you, that's true. you would think it's on the lower end usually just because, A, this offense scores a lot of touchdowns, and, B, Lincoln Riley's a bit of a gambler. There, there's rarely a situation where he truly wants to kick a field goal. Usually he's going to opt to – even if it's like – even if it's like fourth and five on the 30, he's going to go for it he's typically for it. sometimes yeah. or, or maybe a little shorter than that. But anyway, it, yeah, it's hard to tell. I, I would I would imagine – I'd put the over-under on attempts this year at like
1: 15, I would mm-hmm. say. And uh, What would you put the over-under on misses? Mm. I'm going to say 4.5. That's a good one, yeah. I, I'll go with you on that one. I'm going to take – oh, God. I'll take – just the under i'll take four i'll say that he misses four i'll go five there we go split it it, because that's the thing that we're not talking about we're not talking about the punter because the in you've got beamer talking about it saying hey we like the leg strength on one guy but his accuracy is shits and then you got the other guys that they're not consistent with their punts some of them are just booming kicks and then some are just like he's you know, they just shank them or 30-yard kicks. It's not good enough for Oklahoma. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that's con- kind of concerning, but we're not going to really think about till the season starts and when we see it, because Lincoln Riley's been very adamant. There are fe- three phases to the game. If you lo- if you win two of the three phases, you're going to win the game. Oklahoma's been off- operating off of one phase of the game for the past three or four years, really. I mean, Austin Seibert, if he was spelled somehow that, like, you actually had a punter or a kicker, I mean, he was just doing one of the duties, I think we could say Oklahoma could be in position to win another national title or so. I mean, but you more so prefer the defense and the special teams. But if you can win the offensive and special teams battle, you got a lot of games won. Um, So that's a big question. But the next question is from Brady Trantham, who now covers the Thunder at Brady Does Sports. Yeah, for the franchise. He says... Am I overreacting to Hurts' ability to move up in the pocket and keep his eyes downfield? Baker and Kyler are masters at it. Seemed like he struggled a bit with it. Could have been working on a patchwork O-line, not having chemistry with wideouts, etc. Still thought he was great, though. So, is he overreacting?
0: I don't know about overreacting, but I mean, I think maybe it's something not to uh, dwell on too much. And I I, I don't get the sense that Brady's dwelling on it either, so I think it's a legitimate question. I think part of it's the fact that Oklahoma's keeping a little bit of its offense close to the vest. You would mm-hmm. think during something like that, so that could be part of it. And uh, oh, I don't know. It, it, it's situational. I'll have to go back and look at it again. But I didn't get the sense that
1: it was a huge issue. You know, I don't think you're reacting, but I don't think he's underreacting. No, exactly. Yeah, it's. I think it's, it's a reasonable question. Yeah, I, think, I think it's a good question that we won't see again till the first first few games in the season because. Like I said, one of the most underrated things that I liked the most of the spring game was him simply chucking down a couple times to the running back right in the middle of the field because he was going through progressions. Now, a couple times when he did have really bad throws that were just, they weren't, I mean, they weren't awful throws. It wasn't Tanner car awful throws that they were just like really bad seam passes or really overthrown balls. It was just, I mean, overthrown, but out of bounds. Yeah. That. He stepped up into pressure and he just launched it and it went over everybody else's head. So I mean, yeah, offensive I, line like like he mentioned that might have had it. I think that I think that's part, part of it. Yeah. So that's a it's a good question. It's a reasonable question. Um, this one, next one's from Jess and I like her ad. It's sass at sassy bitch babe. It's a real good ad. Okay. Yeah, I think I might change my mind to that. Except I'll just put a two on it or an underscore. Yeah. Um. She says. Or I guess Jess could be a guy. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Says, compare OU coaches to Game of Thrones characters. And we we talked about it for like five minutes before we got on the podcast. And uh, what are you thinking?
0: It, it's kind of hard to pinpoint where Riley is. He's got to be one of the schemers in the show. There are mm-hmm. a lot of them. I think there's a little bit of Peter Baelish in there. Okay. I think he's generally one of the best schemers in the realm, but... Occasionally, you see him fly a little too close to the sun, and sometimes he gets a little too clever for his own good, mm-hmm. but usually, he's very witty, Yeah. so I would say he would be one of them. Uh, you can use previous I'm not, I'm not coaches, gonna, too.
1: You could use previous coaches, too. Okay. Um, like think about Beat for, and Bo. For example, Mike Stoops would be Hodor. Uh, he didn't really hold the door though, did he? Oh no, there's no, no he holding didn't. no door.
0: No. His <laughs> defense did not do their job there. <laughs> but um let's see Bill Bow. I was trying to think of a good one for him too. I think uh maybe the mountain. You think so? Yeah, maybe. Um Hmm. Cuz I mean, the mountain, the first Two seasons he was leading a force of people, just sort of
1: ransacking the
0: the riverlands or whatever. So he was a leader of men, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and obviously big, powerful dude. I wouldn't mess with Bill Beedenbow. I wouldn't want to face him in a trial by combat. He would crush my skull. So there you go. Um, let's see. Having trouble with Kale.
1: I'll list off a few and see if it jogs your okay, mind. Okay, yeah. Cuz we talked and I thought maybe at first Tyrion for Lincoln Riley because he's so clever, but Link is not really that witty. And John I don't think it, I can't think of anybody for Jon Snow cuz Jon Snow, many people thought he was a Stark in in the books, they basically were like the Starks are really loyal but dumb, and mm-hmm. that's not Lincoln Riley. Um so then I thought who is clever and ahead of the game? And I think I mean I'm going to I'm going to tribute Lincoln Riley to Bran. He's, okay, yeah. He's young, wise beyond his he's years. three-eyed raven. Three-eyed raven, can see stuff on offense before it happens. And I, think that's, I think that's really good for him. Um, I like for Alex Grinch, I'm going to go with the Hound because he's incredibly, well, hear me out. Okay. He's incredibly explicit, but also B, he tells it how it is that's 100% true. of the time.
0: That, there you go. Then, yeah, he, he I haven't heard him. I haven't heard him drop the C word yet. Not yet. The hound loves the C word. He oh, says yeah. it all the time.
1: Loves it. Um, Even with his me- his kind of like happy meeting with Arya, he was like, You yeah. didn't kill me. You left me to die. She was like, Yeah. And it's kind of like a lighthearted thing. It was kind of yeah. weird. And yeah. I'm gonna say Kale Gundy is Arya. Just because important to the plot line, important to the sooners. Uh-huh. It's very important as far as, like, this, not really necessarily the storyline, but super important to the process in general, just like Kale's recruiting of running backs and other skill position players. Oh, there you go. I wasn't sure what to do for Bill Bedenboe, though. I'm trying to
0: think of who the best recruiter in Westeros is. You would think
1: Varys, maybe. Maybe Varys. Yeah. I couldn't, um, I couldn't come up with one for Daenerys.
0: No, there's no Daenerys on the coaching staff. That's fine. She's boring. Um, <laughs> let's see. On the defense, roughing.
1: Who's roughing?
0: Hot pie. Yeah, maybe. nothing wrong with that. Hot pie's a good egg. <laughs> um
1: Oh, who is who is Bob Diaco, even though he's not on staff anymore?
0: Oh, uh, there's gotta be someone. Um oh, God. He might be the night king because of his eyes.
1: You can say the that the eyes, yeah. I'm gonna go with Bayless for Diaco because okay Bayless gives me the creeps and so does Bob Diaco. Bob
0: Diaco's oh god he it's, was it's the eyes too. Though. He was ben
1: in too. one of those uh, Sooner
0: Sports pad things or what? Maybe, yep. maybe it wasn't that, but it was some you know Sooner Sports TV studio show, and you could tell. Uh, I think it was Chris Plank and Teddy Lehman, They were just like watching him talk, and they were just
1: like, what the. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was weird, man. He looks like he belongs. He's on a so set intense, of Goodfellas or something.
0: <sighs> maybe <I'd...
1: sighs> it's the grease in the hair.
0: Yeah, a little out over there. Yeah, totally.
1: Um, or on, on since we're talking about HBO on the episode of on an episode of Sopranos, maybe. Ooh. Yeah, maybe. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to think who. Yeah, I feel like he could be a few characters in yeah. a lot of these things. Uh. Ooh, doo, 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 doo. I'm trying to think on the defense though, um, because I couldn't think of anybody for Thibodeau. I couldn't think of any from, for Thibodeau, either. We don't know I nope can't about think Manning of any- or Odom. I, I can't. Ooh, who's in, who's really enthusiastic in Game of Thrones? I feel like everyone's a killjoy in Game of Thrones. So
1: I think all the enthusiastic people are dead. Yeah. Now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Braun Tyrion, is kind of enthi- the enthusiastic, enthusiastic. But he's not he's
1: not Roy Manning. And then Tyrion's probably the most enthusiastic one, but he's kinda let that die down. Yeah,
0: he's changed. Um Yeah, we don't know enough about Brian Odom to really draw conclusions there. Not I can't really pinpoint anyone for Dennis Simmons.
1: Yeah, that's that's the problem with the def that's the problem with the defense too. I mean, I know you just said Dem- Dennis Simmons because a lot of staff is new and you never yeah. really got to know. Tibbs because it was overshadowed by all the Mike stuff. Yeah, exactly. So in in the, the new staff, you know they're still closed up, so you'll, you'll find we'll find we'll figure it out as the season goes along. Yeah, I think the offense is pretty easy to tell, though. Even though yeah. I didn't have one for Bill, but I think you you were good with the Mountain. This next question comes from Daryl from the at Just Okay Sport Boys. Um, they have a cool podcast too. Yeah, they do. He says with Jeremiah Hall looking very good at H back during the spring game, I assume. Will Brayden Willis be moved back to tight end slash inside wide receiver? Um,
0: no, I don't think so.
1: I don't think so either. No. I think I think that if we'd had to have spring game all-star based on one play, it'd be Jeremiah Hall. Yeah, nice play, yeah. Yeah, nice play. He had a few nice
0: plays, actually. He's got more burst than I thought he did. Yeah. Like, he's... Uh, I think he might be. Yeah, he and Willis. I think both are going to get some time. I would imagine.
1: I think Willis is going to be the, the starter. I think so too. But I think Hall is going to get some play. I, I think. I think, I think he so might right. get yeah, some that, handoffs in fair, the backfield or something say. like
0: that. But uh, kind of like you saw with uh, you didn't obviously didn't you obviously didn't see uh, what's his face Carson Meyer get any handoffs right, out in the backfield right. like you did with uh Demetri Flowers. Roger I think you could see maybe a little bit of that with Jeremiah Hall this year. It's possible in certain power packages.
1: I'm really I hoping think. they use a diamond formation.
0: Oh, yeah. The diamond formation is so sexy. Yeah,
1: I would lose my mind. Could you imagine a diamond formation with any combination of Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, or Ramondre Stevenson, and then one of the H-backs? Ooh, yeah. That'd be stupid. That'd be great. Maybe put a receiver in there. They did yeah. that with um, – They did that with Hollywood. They did it with Hollywood daytime. last year, yeah.
0: They had Hollywood in the backfield a that lot. Like Trying to think uh, who would maybe fill that this year. Maybe Jaqueline Crawford maybe could be Jaqueline that guy. I, I could think, yeah. He's got really good uh, lateral quickness. Uh, uh, Charleston's really fast, but he doesn't have the kind of change yeah. of direction ability that right. you saw from right. Marquise Brown. But uh, Trajan might be decent at that yeah. if he can put on a little bulk. But uh, – yeah, I'd like. I'd, I'd like to see a little bit of that for sure. Definitely with a maybe a receiver in the fold
1: yeah. there. Darrell also said he felt like the whole defensive backfield was hurt. Should we be concerned about the strength and conditioning staff?
0: There's no reason specifically to call out the strength and conditioning staff. It, it's a reasonable question, but there's no real concrete answer to it either.
1: So yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think honestly, I think the players enjoy this strength and conditioning staff more. Than they did with uh, Schmidt. Oh, by a lot. By a long shot. <laughs> Schmidt was a hard ass Schm- man. Schmidt was a hard ass. Yeah. And I think in Lincoln Riley, truth be told, after all that stuff went down, it wasn't the money. It was, he didn't like the way that Schmidt was communicating a, with players. Yeah. Came with a lot of the yeah. players like, oh, you know, just just, you know, he wasn't giving them enough recovery days. Yeah, especially with the way he lifted weights, and he was still using like archaic methods of training your body, getting bigger, etc. And that's why you're you're seeing all these guys have all these tears because you constantly train and train and train in these muscles, but you're not training the body as a whole and the yeah. ligaments that go with it. So that's why you would see a lot of tears. And then you have Benny Wiley come in, almost like a Tybo sort of guy, <laughs> and. He's more focused on CrossFit, yeah. getting guys more athletic, more agile, and you won't see what he's truly about until this year. And like Benny Wiley says, hey, you know, you're banged up. I've got yoga for you. So you're still working out. You're still doing what you're doing, but it's going to increase the longevity of the player. So I think, I mean, Robert Barnes, he's had injury history his entire life. Yeah. Um, you know, and a freak accident of Delarian Turner Yale. Completely missling himself into somebody. I mean, that's not for sure what happened. Yeah, we don't know, but we're, we're just we're, like we're, there. we're assuming because he is a heat-seeking missile, that's yeah. possibly what happened with him and Pat Fields. So in, in Jordan Parker, again, he's just coming off an injury. So it I'm not worried about strength and conditioning staff. Actually, right. I'm I'm actually really happy about it because they're letting these guys rest and but they're still finding time for him to come along. Because for me if Jalen Redmond is in Oklahoma and Schmitty is still there, I doubt we see Jalen after the first year, but because of just the way Schmitty was and the way he would run his camps. And I think that Oklahoma is like, literally they are trying to get Redmond on the field at all costs. And he's with Schmitty all he's with, not Schmitty he's with, um, Benny, Benny Wiley. Wiley all the time yeah. working out, making sure his body's good to go just in case the blood clot, blood clot stuff is good to go I don't foresee Jalen Redman ever playing again but I could be wrong in June I don't know, we'll see, but blood clots are a recurring thing, they don't go away yeah. for forever, so you can treat as much as you want, but you know, if it comes back another time, once more time the season he's done Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that uh one more from Daryl. He says, what what should the hashtag be for the 2021 class since I know you're a huge believer in guys committing early? <laughs> and then, because Cody Jackson, he's the first one. Yeah. And, you know, later after he asked this question, the current hashtag for 2021 was created by Latrell Neville, who's a four-star wide receiver, and the current commit, Cody Jackson, link up, Hashtag link up twenty one. What do you think about that one? That's a clever
0: hashtag that will not happen. You don't think it's gonna because they're going with it. I think everyone involved, every recruit will like it. I think every, I think a lot of the assistants like it. But guess who isn't gonna like it? Link Lincoln Riley. Yep, <laughs> he's not gonna want the whole thing being about himself. I bet Baker Mayfield loves that crap. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's not gonna be. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, not gonna happen. It's clever though.
1: Oh, I love it. Oh yeah. I think it's funny. But I, I agree. It's that yeah, I want to try to separate myself from all of this sort of deal. Yeah. Um I just had a thought pop into my mind and then it just went away. And it was a really good one. It was about Sooners football and I just totally lost it. It was good happens. And then it left. And then it floats away. That's really disappointing. But I mean, that's all I really have. You know, it's we call it a shorter podcast, right? But yeah, this, definitely sure This thing's over an hour long anyways right now. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. I know. No matter the. No wonder the dog's upset right now. He's yeah.
0: been locked in that room for over an hour now. He's getting restless. His name's Nick, and he's a good boy. He's, well, sort of a good boy. He's named after Nick Collison, fun fact, but he's not as good as Nick Collison, but he's pretty good.
1: Not enough fundamental passes? Nope. Not good enough with the
0: pick and roll. Yep, yep, yep. He doesn't even fetch. He's a golden retriever. He doesn't fetch. We're talking shit on you, Nick. Do you hear us?
1: <laughs> he turns away. Yeah. Well, hey, it's Tuesday night. What are your plans for this week? I plan to watch NBA playoffs. Regardless yeah, of I, I
0: guess the Thunder are about to play. Who? The, I, I have no clue what's going to happen there. But uh, if they don't win tonight... Not looking good. <laughs> Twitter will melt down. Yeah, I mean the Thunder have come back t- yeah. from a two-zero deficit oh, yeah. before, and it was against a better team. So, uh, but then again, that Thunder team was better than this Thunder team. So,
1: yeah, and they were less hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul George's shoulder's a serious issue. He's gonna have another offseason surgery.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, next year I think they'll be pretty good. But uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're not gonna be a six seed. I think they'll next year. They could be a two or three seed for sure. Yeah. Who the hell knows what's gonna happen to the Warriors? So oh my a lot gosh! Of yeah, after s-
1: the Boogie just. Yeah. What, he tear his quad? Yeah, torn quad. And then, like, after he tore his quad, the Clippers erased, like, a 32 point deficit yeah. and ended up winning that game. I went to bed. In, in and a I way, woke up. they blew another 3 1 lead. God. Like, I went to bed and I <laughs> woke to up. Credit to Seth Oliveris for that joke. I woke up and I said, Holy crap, are you serious? I was amazed. And then I went and looked at the highlights and it was just nothing but Lou Will just, like, shooting, getting buckets.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Lou Williams gets buckets. That's God. what he does. He is so nasty, dude. He is like the. Well, he's one of the best pure scorers oh, in the yeah. NBA. He, does he still come off the bench there? Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's it's, off the bench. Yeah. It, I mean, he's. He, it seems like he's been around forever. I mean, he's, uh, he's got a lot of Jamal Crawford in him. Definitely. Except a little bit more playmaking ability. Yeah, I think he's Zell a little Crawford bit better. Though. And he's yeah. a lot better ball handling, yeah, too.
1: Yeah, definitely. But that's about it for me. You have anything else? I think I'm good. All right. Well. Hey, guys, follow us at CrimsonCreamMachine.com. Again, like I say, every single week, there are a lot of good writers on staff. There are a lot of good stories coming out every day. If it's about baseball, like it. I don't care. Um, (laughs) Softball season, those ladies are amazing. They are great, Um, yeah. Three of them got drafted today. And and just just a lot of other things. I mean, there are several things in the drafts right now that I'm just peeping out that you guys might want to look out for, and you will be aware of them. And uh, you know follow Jack on Twitter. there's at Crimson Cream Machine at CC Machine uh, or his personal account if you would like at JLarryShields. Shields. I'm at, at Boomtown RW. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify Stitcher, Google Play, even megaphone they have a, they have a player as well. Yeah. Um, if you're on iTunes, give us a five star rating because if you, if you tell us you like it that's awesome but also if you give us a five star rating it lets other people, that want to find something as cool as you're listening to also help find us so give us a five star rating we'll be happy you're gonna be happy just make something up in the comments and make me laugh about it that's good times too but until next time uh check guys later